challenges to remember that God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good, good morning. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? I sure hope so. My name is Tracy, and Leslie and I co-host this show, Say Yes to Spirit, to give you an opportunity every week to just take a breath and say yes. Say yes to being the best you can be. And if you have been a listener for any length of time at all, you know that we also host this show weekly so that we have a built-in opportunity during the week to remind ourselves that we've each made a commitment to say yes to spirit. And every week on the show we have a theme. So today our theme is sacred contracts, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means, what that could mean, and uh, how that might be showing up in our lives, and what do we do when we recognize that we might be in a situation where we have made a sacred contract with someone. And, of course, there's lots of ways, we, lots of directions we can go with that, and uh, we never know what direction that's going to go. So sacred contracts is our theme today. Before jumping into that, uh, we always like to connect the dots with the previous show. And so um, this morning, we will be connecting the dots between sacred contracts and last, our most recent theme, which was reunion. talked a lot last time about um, all kinds of reunions, some of the obvious ones like high school reunions or family annual or biannual family reunions, reunions with people who we haven't seen for a while. Um, We also talked about reunions within ourselves, reuniting ourselves to um, our best or reuniting after a period of um, making what seemed to be bad choices, reuniting with the divinity within ourselves. So we talked about lots of different ways that that we could have reunions. And I think it's a perfect connection with sacred contracts that um, if we think of sacred contracts as agreements made at a, not even subconscious, but at a spiritual level, 
with another person or with another spiritual being to show up in a certain way or to uh, act in each other's best interest. That when we come together in situations or at events or in life, that that is a reunion of a sort. And it is or can be considered a sacred contract. So we may go a slightly different direction with that as we go into the show today, but uh, for me that's a, a really powerful connection between reunions and sacred contracts. So that is um, that's my lead in to connect the dots and uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll get into the discussion of sacred contracts. Or uh, we have a couple of people on hold after the break. If you have a Connect the Dots comment, connecting reunions to sacred contracts, we'll start with our callers right after this break. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit, and today our theme is Sacred Contracts. And uh, if you looked on the Internet, you saw that we just thought about the idea that sometimes the people we have the most difficulty with could possibly be those sacred souls who love us the most, who agreed even before we came into life form that they would show up in our lives a certain way to help us learn the lessons that we want to learn or to become the kind of person we want to become. And so so what do you think about that idea? We'll talk a little bit about that, that sometimes what we label as the bad guys in our lives might really be the the angels we have the tightest connection with before we came into physical form. But we can also talk about sacred contracts as it relates to our day-to-day life and when we go into agreements with people, are we showing up as our best selves? Are we showing up um, and looking at situations and expressing in ways that represent the love of God? So we can go any direction with that. But first I want to uh, go to a caller from Area Code 519, who has a comment. Welcome to today's show. Tell us um, who you are or what your question or comment is. 
from Eric. Oh, let's unmute that line. You're probably talking and we can't hear you. Try it again, please. Area code 519. Hi, thanks. I was talking to myself again. <laughs> we all do it. Thanks for calling in. Oh, no problem. I felt very, very led to your show and it sounds absolutely beautiful. And I bought a book, Sacred Contracts, from Carolyn Mist. It uh, sort of fell into my experience. And uh, so do we all have sacred contracts? Is that one contract or is it um, a series of many with with what I'm hearing you say with people? So I'm a little confused as to what that means. Yeah, there there are a number of different um, takes on it. But if you are familiar with the book Sacred Contracts by Carolyn Mace, then... um, Part of what is in that book and what comes out of that book is the idea that, or at least the the question, what if, what if the even before we were birthed into physical form, mm-hmm. we chose that we wanted to learn certain lessons in our physical lifetime as our in our human experience. And there was, you know, and as we said, well, you know, I really want to learn patience, that there's an angel or an entity or an energy over to our right that said, well, I love you so much, I'll come into your life in human form, and I will be an energy that really causes you to be impatient or anxious, and, you know, I'll be the one that you have to learn patience from. Uh, I'll, you know, whether that means I'll come into your life as your child, and you know, or as a partner, or whatever, and that there are a whole um, choir of people, you know, or a whole group of people or energies that, because of love, made a sacred contract to be a part of your human experience. And we, of course, once we're in our human experience, we don't remember any of that if it if it happens that way. And so the idea of a sacred contract is, you know, that there is some um, supernatural or divine or divinely guided connection that we have with people who are in our lives for a reason. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. So that's what do you think time. about that? Well, that's the first time it's ever been explained where I understand, you know, the clarity of, I think, with my life, when you're saying that, what comes up is learning self-forgiveness, but most of all, forgiveness to self, self self-love. Yeah, you know, uh, Colin Tipping uh, wrote a book called Radical Forgiveness, and and one of the questions he asks is... uh, where what if there was nothing to forgive and it's it's also that comes up in the course of miracles that comes up mm-hmm. in a lot of other work as well but he gets credited most often with that really putting that in in a concrete form where we can backtrack through you know all of this our whole lives are happening by divine design and yes we have free will and we make choices but what if we really believed that any choice we make was still going to lead us to our ultimate life direction? And so in that case, there really can't be, there can be consequences from our choices, but the choice itself can't really be a mistake. We'll get the learning we need to get anyway. And people are 
positioned in our lives to help us get what we came into human form to get. So why there's nothing to forgive. They're playing the role. If it were if our life experience was simply a play mm-hmm. that every character in the play has a very specific role and there are just right. actors playing that out and you know, and I'm the star of my own play. So they're playing it to give me the experience or to have my character develop the way it's supposed to. Wow. I haven't imagined that. Like, yeah, wow is the word. Isn't that like amazing? <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, when you're talking, I got this beautiful image of, you know, um, analogy of it's, you know, a seed. You know, we're born, and everything behind that seed is already in there, the DNA, whatever. You know, but as it it sprouts, you know, it comes up one stalk, but then it separates into all the different little branches, and and it doesn't matter what branch, it does end up always. You know, whichever direction you go, you still go towards God, and every little offshoot still produces beautiful leaves. So, there's either way you go is not wrong, and you end up with this beautiful tree with all these different choices of which way you wanted to go. Yes, yes. There's perfection so, in everything. So, choice. when you think about um, this idea that maybe everybody in our life really is in our life because we made a sacred contract or agreement with them before we were even born. Are there any people who've been in your life who you go, oh, now, okay, now I get it. Okay, now I can, like, see why you are, why you were the way you were. Or, you know, for me, I, I think about um, my I, I, I'm debating now whether to say my ex-husband or my husband, since a friend re- recently turned me on to the phrase husband. He was my <laughs> husband. Um, but anyway, um, my ex-husband, I really um, understood, understand now looking back exactly three reasons why clearly, you know, he was in my life and, uh, you know, and that we were committed to each other and that I was in his life. And, I, you know, when I got to that point, it was like, oh, okay, uh-huh. I don't have to be angry. I don't even have to be sad. I don't have to hang on to any of that because I can clearly see what I brought and what I needed to bring into that relationship that helped him grow, and I can list you know, 20 things that, 20 ways he showed up that I absolutely know was part of my lifetime development. Mm. And that is that even in showing contrast? Ah, yeah. So I love that. Say more about that. Because I, 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 that triggered something for me, but we may have listeners who might not ah. Understand that concept. Well, as you were speaking, um, my first husband was very was um, an abusive alcoholic, and what he taught me was beautiful, beautiful. He taught me compassion because I realized that behind that abuse was a a very hurt little boy, and I found out. I mean, he did end up passing away, but I did find out that a lot of that was because he, um, through choices of his own. He lost an opportunity to go to the Olympics as a gymnast, and he blamed God, and so he drank, and he struck out, and and he struck out, of course, to the ones closest to him. 
so, you know, of course, being a child of an alcoholic family, I was drawn to him because we, you know, the similarities. And what I learned from him was learning to be compassionate, but also having to learn through that contrast what I would not accept in my life for myself or my children. And the voice that I didn't have that protected me as a little girl, I became that voice. It became very clear that I needed to learn to be that voice and to have that strength for my own children. And I was able to walk away in love and strength and set a, a you know a boundary to save myself and my children, but also do it in in love for him to help him see that in his choice, um, even though he felt justified, he was losing, you know, um, something very precious to him, which was his children. And we remained friends, and he was able to turn his life around and heal and and work on that issue um, right before he passed away. And uh, yeah, as a young man, so. That was, and my boys were able to see, you know, um, that there was possibility to uh, transcend being in, you know, little children in an abusive situation and being able to um, seeing their mummy develop the strength and the power and finding out who I was to be able to set that boundary. And it's interesting because that's been my, when you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, in all the contrast, I'm 53 years old and in the last year, two very, very special people in my life, one being my soulmate sister, I believe, and um, an aunt who were very generous and kind and gave me great opportunity, were also very controlling and very abusive. And I was able, it took me a while, but I was able to set that boundary again because the pattern in my life with people showing up is I give my heart and my soul to the world at a cost to my children, at a cost to myself, at a cost to those closest to me. And I had to look at why were all these situations showing up and, you know, um, big um, in generous ways, but at a cost. I was giving myself away to them for their causes, for their belief in me. I had to learn to step back and, in the contrast, realize that I needed to set a boundary to start showing up for myself and for my family. And in, in turn, I've lost that relationship with those two beautiful ladies, but I'm learning how to have a relationship and to value myself and my children. Well, you know, what's really interesting about that is uh, two things, actually. Number one, your description of the of the process that, um, you know, it's a pattern that, okay, one person showed up, two people showed up, several people showed up in the pattern, like, okay, well, I I did a sacred contract, but she's not getting it, so I need some reserve, you know, I need another angel to show up. And until you got that pattern, it got you know, so it bad. taught you, all of yeah. those folks taught you then, oh, yeah. maybe I came here, I absolutely need to learn to set boundaries. One of my favorite spiritual teachers, Oprah Winfrey. I love her. <laughs> has a uh, saying about that very thing that you were talking about that many times spirit, or certainly always, spirit starts talking to us in a whisper. <laughs> it sounds like you're, you, it gets louder and louder, and sometimes it ends up as a two by four. Terribly well, and so, you realize but, yeah, you teach people that you how to treat them. that very well. So, that's and right. the second part of that is that you said the magic phrase that, you know, once you got it, that this is about me setting boundaries out 
from a place of love, mm-hmm. not from a place of anger or defense or protection, but love for myself and love for others, mm-hmm. then the relationships went away. And we often are so upset and so angry and so clinging to relationships we have with family members or with others that we forget that not every relationship is supposed to be a physical in our presence every day or regular contact relationship for our entire human life. Right. And they're supposed to go away when the purpose has been served or when the growth together is, you know, no longer there. Yeah, and it's interesting because all these three people that were huge in my life that I love dearly, I love them dearly, and you're right, I think they are probably my closest angels, uh, one being my mother, one being my darling sister, and one being this this amazing aunt, are very um, have made choices in their life, they're very controlling, and what broke my heart is they're abusive to other people. And me being the last one, kind of the last man standing, to be able to set a boundary and other people in all their world were like, oh, my gosh, for Karen to crash? or for Because I'm very, um, I call myself the marshmallow. I'm always the one that they throw in to solve every situation because I'm very calm and loving. And for me to set a boundary and to step back um, make, makes, you know, they need to, at some point in their life, I mirrored back to them that if somebody like me could crash, what is it that they are doing in their life um, that's, you know, I mean, I can't own that. And uh, But I found it really interesting that all three of those beautiful, strong ladies also had that very strong side that they, in their control, they didn't see that they were hurting other people with their control and their words and, and um um, so and it's the same personality, and but you're right. It started with my mom, then my sister, and then this woman, and it got stronger and stronger and stronger till I realized it's not them, it's me. I've taught these people how to treat me. What about this situation? Do I need to change and look at what am I doing and what do I need to learn here? Because if not, it's going to come at me even stronger, and I don't think I'll survive the fourth one. I love it. I love it. And I really appreciate you uh, not just calling in to listen, but raising your hand. And Ah, um, so please continue to either listen on the phone or listen online. God bless you. Thank you. We do have a couple of other folks listening by phone. I just want to remind you if you actually want us to activate your microphone, um, that you need to press the number one, and it'll show us that you have a comment or a question. Otherwise, we'll just assume that you are listening by phone because that's easier for you than listening on the internet today. Did I say how excited I am about this topic? Was I here earlier to say that? No, I wasn't. Did I say that? Uh, you said it, but I don't think our listeners heard you. That's exactly right. I am very excited about this topic. Um, and I'm curious, Tracy Brown, because I, I couldn't hear you for a minute in terms of what you, how did you introduce the topic? Can you introduce it again just for me? What did you say about it already? Can you say it again? No, because <laughs> that was 
when she yeah, twenty two minutes ago twenty five minutes ago and or uh, how could I even possibly I, remember? But you know Can I tell you what I think about the topic and see if that's what you said? You can right <laughs> after this break. <laughs> oh, very good. So Perfect. we're we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna hear what Leslie has to say about the topic of sacred contracts. This is Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie, and today our theme is Sacred Contracts. Sacred Contracts. I'm so excited about this theme. This, uh, How I understand this theme of being the idea that we have agreements with people coming into this life and how those agreements were made in light and love, and, and especially the people that are the most disturbing or the most... Uh, uh, upsetting or even abusive are the people that truly love us the most. That concept was introduced to me probably about four years ago by someone at lunch, and she's a very spiritual person, and we were having lunch, and I was like, oh, you sound sort of, I don't even believe in the devil, and that sounds like the devil. And, you know, I really had a visceral, is that the right word? I had a physical reaction. I didn't like her that much for a few days. I certainly didn't like that idea. Being an incest survivor, she actually, you know, was connecting it to my perpetrator, and I'm like, you are a nut. And I, and I was really such a, I just wouldn't even think of it, you know, for a year or so. And then I kept hearing it in different people in different ways. And about a year ago, I started to really embrace it. And now I'm like, you know, when I embrace something, I send it to all my friends. You know, everyone has to think like I think, right? <laughs> and uh, And so now I'm like really interested in it because it makes such good sense to me and there's a i've never done this on the radio show before but there's a little book there's a little book called the little soul and the sun and it's written by neil donald walsh who wrote conversations with god which is one of my favorite books and i've condensed the whole book down into three minutes so tracy may i read for three minutes like a bedtime story should they get tea first you've already had the break (laughs) Or milk? Uh, yes. <laughs> but this this describes the concept of what I'm talking about, and I really would love, Tracy, to see if you are as much of a believer as I am, so to speak, or uh, somewhere in between, you know, that black and white thinking. All or not, all or nothing. Okay, so we start. Once upon no time, there was a little soul who said to God, I know who I am. I am the light. That's right, God exclaimed. You are the light. But soon, knowing who it was was just not enough. 
The little soul felt stirrings inside and now wanted to be who it was. And so the little soul went back to God and said, I know who I am. Is it okay for me to be who I am? God said, you mean you want to be who you already are? The little soul replied, it's one thing to know who I am and another thing altogether to actually be it. I want to feel what it's like to be the light. Well, said God, there is nothing here but the light. Since you cannot see yourself as the light when you are in the light, we'll have to surround you with darkness. What's darkness, the little soul asked. God replied, it is that which you are not. Then God explained that in order to experience anything at all, the exact opposite of it will have to appear. It is a great gift, God said, because without it you could not know what anything is like. You could not know warm without cold, up without down, fast without slow. Then God asked the soul, what is it that you would like to be? Kind, patient, sharing, friendly? The little soul could choose anything at all. I know what I want to be. I want to be forgiving. Good, said God, but there's one more thing you should know. There's no one to forgive. No one to forgive, God repeated. Everything I have made is perfect. There is not a single soul in all creation that is less perfect than you. Everyone is an angel. Who then would you be able to forgive, asked God. Just then a friendly soul stepped forward from the crowd. Not to worry, little soul. I will help you. You will, the little soul brightened up. But what can you do? Why, I can give you someone to forgive. You can? Certainly, chirped the friendly soul. I can come into your next lifetime and do something for you to forget. Why? Why would you do that, said the little soul? You who are a being of such utter perfection, you who vibrate with such a speed that it creates a light so bright that I can hardly gaze upon you. What would cause you to want to slow down your vibration to such a speed that your bright light would become dark and dense? Simple, said the friendly soul. I would do it because I love you. The little soul seemed surprised. Don't be so amazed, said the friendly soul. You've done the same thing for me, don't you remember? Oh, we have danced together, you and I, many times, across all and in many places we have played together. Thus we have come together, you and I, to bring each other the exact and perfect opportunity to express and experience who we really are. I will come into your next lifetime and I will be the bad one. This time I will do something so terrible that you will have to experience forgiveness. But what will you do, the little soul asked, just a little nervous. That will be so terrible. Oh, replied the friendly soul with a twinkle, we'll think of something. Then the friendly soul seemed to turn serious and said in a quiet voice, You are right about one thing, you know. What is that, the little soul wanted to know. I will have to slow down my vibration and become very heavy to do this not-so-nice thing. I will have to pretend to be something very unlike myself, and so I have but one favor to ask of you in return. You must remember who I really am. Oh, I will, cried the little soul. I promise I will always remember you as I see you right here, right now. Good, the friendly soul said. Because you see, I will have been pretending so hard that I will have forgotten myself. And if you do not remember me as I really am, I may not be able to remember me for a very long time. And if I forget who I am, you may even forget who you are. 
and then we will both be lost. Then we will need another soul to come along and remind us both of who we are. And so the agreement was made, and the little soul went forth into a new lifetime, excited to be the light, which was very special, and excited to be able to be forgiving. The little soul waited anxiously to be able to experience itself as forgiveness and to thank whatever soul made it possible. At all times, in all moments in his new lifetime, whenever a new soul appeared on the scene, whether it brought joy or sadness, and especially if it brought sadness, the little soul remembered what God had said. I will send you nothing but angels. Ah. This is my bedtime story. And you know, that is so hard to take, but now that I am a believer, it has really shifted every irritating person in my life. I mean, because I, I do, I have to stop myself because I really believe that. And once, you know me, once I believe something, it's done, it's over, it's, you know. So, but it really takes all that irritation, and I look at that person, and I go, goodness, what have, what have, what am I needing to learn from them? Why did I bring them? Why did I have this contract? Why did I, and especially my uncle being the abuser, certainly being the number one person in my life that I identify as the, you know, the evildoer, and uh, really seeing all the ripple effect of good that's come of that really dramatic childhood experience. Yeah, and you know, for me what happens is when I put things in that perspective, in the perspective of what if, just even asking the question, yes. what if, what if I made an agreement with the being, the energy that is showing up in this person, in this form, what if I made an agreement, you know, long before I actually have a consciousness of what is it that they are showing up to show me, to teach me, to support me in, in my own growth? Mm-hmm. So it may be that what they are doing is absolutely, in my, in the context of my humanity, it's immoral or it's rude mm-hmm. or it makes me uncomfortable. Right. But, yeah, is it about one more example in my life of learning patience or forgiveness or being loved? you know, in situations that are really challenging. What is it about that? Mm -hmm. And I loved what our caller said earlier about the pattern. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing. I I, probably now about 15 or 20 years ago, but I started noticing, oh, you know, this isn't the only person who has put me in this situation or who I've been in this type of relationship with. It's just showing up again. So what did I miss, you know, the last five times Mm -hmm. that I can do? Or what did I learn the last five times that I can apply here? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh, yeah, I know this. So if I didn't get hooked by it, how would I behave? And the concept, the idea of, you know, knowing something by being involved in the opposite of it. Yeah. The whole idea of the human experience, if if one believes, as I believe, that we are all God expressing, literally the the core of us is exactly as God is, a drop in the same ocean, um, then it would make perfect sense that, you know, my choice is to have to experience the opposite of who I am 
and that the whole purpose of that is to be a constant reminder back, an opportunity, excuse me, an opportunity to be a reminder back, a reminder back. And I do, I, I do get very zealous about it in terms of either I am or I'm not. Either I'm God all the time or I'm not, you know. And if that is true, then certainly even these terrible days, even these really dark places that I can still go to, that's got to be still going towards this ultimate remembering. There's no, there's no mistake. There's no delay. There's no, there's no unfortunate mishap. You know. Okay, so here's the other side of it. There you go, Tracy Brown. Well, the other side of this is that sometimes we're in the sacred contract, and the person has agreed to do what we need to do for them. I mean, for what the, we need them to do for us. But sometimes we're in the sacred contract to be a certain way for someone else. Right. So sometimes when we're doing things that we label good or things that we label bad, we are we could be simply fulfilling our contract with someone else. It's not always us as the center of attention. Oh gosh, I hate that. I really want it to be all about me, all about me, all about you don't think it's all about me all the time and then the the concert is so intricately designed that it can be all about me and we're all all about me all the time? Did anyone get that? <laughs> that it's all about me, me, you. It's all a thousand, a billion me's. That, that the intricacy of the design is such that as you're getting what you need, I'm getting what I need. That there's no like hold button for me to give to you. Oh, yeah, I didn't mean to imply that it wasn't all integrated, but what I think in our conversation so far, we've made it sound as if I'm going through my life and all the other, the example I used earlier, if we thought of our life as a play, Mm. that I'm the main character Mm -hmm. and every other character Mm -hmm. is in place to serve the story of mm-hmm. my character. Correct. And so we've only talked about it from that perspective. So sometimes even me being my own main character, I am by design playing out commitments I made to the supporting cast or to the uh, to the other actors. Yes. So my my character in the play has agreed that I will um, have, I will be the person that creates a difficulty or creates a great gift right. in someone in some other character's experience. Yes. Oh yeah, I absolutely, and I think it's a both end. That. It's very exciting for Leslie to say it's both uh, ends. Yeah, I'm, Did you I'm in shock. Moment? Yes, yes, I'm it's in both ends. It's both ends. So, but it's all it's all me, 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 me. I mean, I think, but it's all not just Leslie. It's the Well, so sometimes I think, you know, with someone, let's use let's use the example of someone is um, is an alcoholic. So there that could be happening from either of those directions. It could be that they become an alcoholic because one of their ways to fulfill their contract with another person is to become their sponsor, Mm -hmm. but in order to become their sponsor, they would have had to go through 
the addiction to alcoholism, come through that, mm-hmm. learn everything about that, mm-hmm. so that then they could be the sponsor to this other person 10 years later. And so they didn't really become alcoholic for their own development, their own experience. They became the alcoholic as like in the story. Right. You know, I'm going to have to do some things. I'm going to have to lower my vibration. I'm going to be in the darkness, mm-hmm. and I may forget who I am. Right. But the reason for doing it all was not because somebody else did something to them, but because they were doing it in preparation to fulfill their contract to another being 10 years from now. Oh, right. Oh, I would say, you know, with this theory in mind that my uncle would have you know, perhaps I'm certain he suffered childhood abuse or was something awful happened to him to create an adult that would be abusive. Something had to have happened to him as a child. So yes, I would yeah, I would say that certainly that person is willing to that soul. And you know, I have always said too, being one who is a believer in reincarnation, that the the people that do the most horrible things are really the oldest souls. Because they have the most love, they have they're shining, they're, they're the brightest light, and so they're more willing. I had a, a spiritual teacher tell me one time that she has this image of God sitting up in heaven, which of course you know it's just an image, right? But anyway, all these souls are around, and God said, "Okay, I've got one," and they're like, you know, not going to have any arms and legs, and they're going to like have this horrible disease, and they're going to die when they're four, and like you know, the old souls are fighting over it. I want to go, send me, coach, send me. And, you know, it's just an interesting, it kind of flips your head on the side when you look at the human experience as all this divinely designed. And as I'm speaking, I'm, I'm noticing that I'm wanting to say I don't believe that it's predestined. I think that, I think the, and my sister hates it when I call life a game, but I think the game is predestined. I think we're all going to win, you know, at some point the the re, the remembering is a guarantee the the um the whole design is to be whole and, and to know who we truly are. But the free will can divert, you know, the river's going to eventually get to the ocean, but it can take a very very long time. Right, or the the river has a direct path to the ocean. But then you have this little stream that goes yes. off to the side, so it doesn't mean it's not going to get to the ocean. It just means it's going to have to turn north and west and south, <laughs> That's it. and then come back east to reconnect and get to the ocean. Right. And that yeah, the the destination of the ocean is guaranteed. And the free will of that. I thought it was so interesting in the book too, where it talks about. The, the the friendly soul saying, you remember who I am. And so the, the the ripple effect of when someone is horribly abused or something happens in humanity that we can't think, we can't forgive, and then that person does forgive, the healing comes full circle. Yeah. And the person who did the act is then lifted back up into the truth of who they are. Yeah. So I think it's a... You know, I do think it you lift yourself up at the same time you lift others up around you. As I'm learning and sharing, others get to learn and share as well. 
Yeah, I was, off into I was the distance. stopping to think about that because <laughs> sometimes I think we do a lot of things when we lift others up, the net effect is we lift ourselves up. Like we we put good stuff out there and then we're reminded. Um, but I, it does work the other way too. If I'm lifting myself up and being good, mm-hmm. then other people will experience that good and in their own turn. Right. Be the good, be the love in the world as well. Wow. So um, let's take a quick break <laughs> and then come back. It's and such a deep thought. See, yeah, let's take a quick break and let that uh, soak in for a minute, and then we'll come back on Say Yes to Spirit. Look for it. 
weird. I'm not, but, um, you know, so I think there's a balance there, and certainly I think what I'm looking for is a way for my own trigger to be look for the good, Leslie, look for the good. I'm not, I don't, I think it can be really harsh when someone comes from the outside when something horrible is happening and say, somehow there's a gentle way of saying that, you know, to have faith. There was a woman at the jail the day before yesterday, and if you want to experience, you know, the opportunity to have to look for good, she had a paper saying that she was being released that day. Her family had flown in from another state. There was a federal case against her that had been dropped because she had made some agreements, and and then suddenly uh, they changed their mind, and they pulled all the stops and said, no, we're going to hold you here another 45 days and look into another something. And so in her devastation, all I could really say to her is, in her belief system is very Christian based. I said, you know, you have to find, you have to have faith. You have to have faith that God is working, doing something that we don't know. But there's got to be a plan here that God's working for you because that's her language, and I've heard her say that. And so to remind her what she believes in that moment of devastation was all I could do um, to try to offer her some solace. But for me, I guess my personal journey is I want to be that trigger in that quicker and quicker and quicker in that moment that the person irritates me to say, where's the good? Well, what do I need to learn? And certainly having the philosophy I have and as the caller had, I want to learn this quickly so that I don't have to have it happen again, louder. <laughs> right, over and over and over. Been there, done that. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's what our spiritual practice, that's where our spiritual practices come in and, and every week we do try to spend a few minutes or highlight some spiritual practices that can help us say yes to spirit, help us live in a way that makes it clear that we have said yes to God, yes to spirit, yes to living in a way that reflects our divinity, the divinity expressing through us. And so the, I think that closing the gap, that we respond more quickly, is a reflection of, you know, when I am doing daily meditation and things happen, I don't react mm. so much right. as I respond right. because I'm so grounded mm-hmm. in knowing my truth and knowing right. the truth of, of life that, you know, it's much easier and much more evident. Uh, on the other hand, if I go through a few weeks, like right now is a great example. I, I meditated every day while I was traveling. But, you know, four or five weeks ago, I went to Puerto Rico. And a couple of weeks ago, I spent a week in California. And, you know, it's like I'm off of my daily routine. So when you travel, you did not meditate, or you I did? I did, but you it did. wasn't the same as my daily routine. Oh, I see. You know, it was at mm-hmm. different times of the day, in different environments, and when I, you know, each time I would come back home, you know, then whenever you travel, your schedule's off a little bit, and it takes a little, well, from for me, <laughs> it takes a few days to get back into the routine, you know, and then, it, then I travel again, and and I haven't been traveling in the past year the way I used to. So that used to didn't throw me, but now I notice it does. So my routine is off a little. And um, and so I have found myself, you know, ch- 
choosing to change my routine so I can get into a new routine, and that's great, but I had caught myself, you know, reacting to things and then, then catching myself and going, no, 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 breathe, Tracy, breathe, relax, it's going to be okay, um, or having to work a little bit harder. So our spiritual practice, I think, is critical, that, you know, whether it's meditation or journaling or prayer or reading devotions from a specific book or text, you know, whatever we do on a regular basis is our grounding. It's our connection. Mm-hmm. Right. And probably the stronger that connection is, the more evident the good is in all situations. Or just that remembering that it, you know, it's leading to good. Because <laughs> eventually we'll yeah, find it. Yeah, because I think things happen that in itself, in in its in that in that um, activity or that experience itself, the good isn't there. It's not in that. It's not that. You know, it's not that. It's what comes from the way we respond to the good, or the connections we make, or the relationships we build or sever ourselves from. So it's not the action or the experience itself that is good, you know, but that we that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that good something good must come from this. Right. And that's probably what makes it so tricky because there's no way you can look at something like childhood sexual abuse and say that's good. But to say there's good that comes from it or there was an agreement coming in that that the person doing the abusing is not, you know, the evildoer, that there's something, that both parties are vibrating as perfect angels somewhere deep within. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right, the experience. Yeah, so that, right, that the perpetrator signed up to show up as the evildoer. right. And that has nothing to do with the essential nature of the evildoer mm-hmm. because beneath all of that, behind all of the doing, there is a being right. that is the perfect expression of God. And, you know, that just in and of itself, to keep that awareness in the forefront of my mind, to really, to really believe that, that we're all beings of God, that we're all angels, that really is an interesting aha, an interesting way to spend a day. Every, you know, the person that cuts me off, the little guy that, you know, did something mean to somebody I love. And in this, um, and when we go through periods in our country, there are always elections happening, whether it's a oh, vote, whether the guy it's a I'm not voting for can't be God. Or a national <laughs> election or, you know, a county election. There are always elections going on. And it just seems like some elections, depending on what the issue is or, or you know, whether it's a national event versus a city uh, event uh, or election process, you know, yeah, don't we get caught up in that? What if every one of us chose to believe and act like we believe? And act like we believe would be the key. That every candidate, regardless of party, regardless of platform, regard that beneath all of that, 
their perfect emanation and incarnation of of God, and that they are simply being who they have come here to be for themselves expressing and or for pushing the envelope, pushing the the overall cultural energy of the city or the county or the nation or the world, and that that is, you know, to to go back to uh, your example of the most enlightened beings and the oldest souls saying, ooh, let me do that, ooh, let right. me, oh, come on, I'll, come on, come on, come on, let me be the one right. that, you know, puts this out into the world for people to face. React to, right, respond to. And, it, you know, it is, a, um, it is, as you were talking, I thought, I can forgive my uncle and see the light in him much easier than I can the son of a gun that's, you know, running against the person I want to win. I, I have more energy around, like, the political kind of thing of, how can those people be so stupid? They can't be. They can't be God-expressing. They're just idiots. So that's really an interesting thing to really, I'm going to challenge myself this week to see everybody as a being of light. I can remember Reverend Peter one Sunday using in her sermon that really, you know, if we really totally responded to each other that way, we would be, you know, in a constant state of, you know, namaste, where, you know, the blessing, you know, the soul in me greets the soul in you, and how would I treat you differently if I fully embrace that idea? And how would how would I expect to be treated if I fully embrace the idea that that's who I am? And how would I react when people didn't treat me the way I expect to be treated? Right. Instead of accepting, you know, expecting and expecting the the worst or the least of these, but to be able to say, no, I am God expressing. You are God expressing. There are certainly horns that should be trumpeting. I think that was her example. She said there shouldn't be like you know, angels going across ahead of us going, da 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 I like that. Should I do that again? No, I probably won't. <laughs> I liked it once, though. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps I could hire someone all week to go in front of me and go, da 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 or, you know, maybe, no, no. You probably could. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. I can imagine you now going down to the homeless shelter <laughs> and saying, I'm looking for someone to work for job. me for the week, and uh, this is all you have to do. <laughs> you know, probably I could see myself easier as God expresses, so perhaps I should hire them to jump in front of people that are walking towards me and going, da 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 as they're walking towards me. That would be more challenging. Uh, yeah. All right. That's going to be my homework. I'm going to look for looking for the being of light in all. Every person every you person. come into contact with. Yes. Even strangers. Yes. I love it. I love it. And we'll hear about that next week. But for now, our time is just about up. And uh, today's theme, Sacred Conscience, uh, we said all that we have time to say about it today. We're really glad that you've joined us. And uh, whether you are listening live or listening by recording, we hope that we have at least triggered some thoughts and ideas in your mind about who might you have signed sacred contracts with and how are they showing up in your life. And the same, how are you showing up in other people's lives that you are fulfilling a sacred contract? So um, that's it for this week, and uh, please check out the schedule to see what's coming up for uh, the future, and until we connect again, say Say yes. yes.
the spirit. Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.